but we are translated out of one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And if you want a proof text for that, Colossians 1.13 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Now, nothing could be more dramatic than to be brought out of one realm, which is under the control of Satan and all his evil desires and plans and schemes and miseries, and to be brought into a new family, into the family of God, with the God of all grace, the God of love, as our Father. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak, and today we turn to John's Gospel again, and I want to leave with you a very powerful verse of God's Word. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Today our ministry is on sons of God. Now this is not becoming and taking the nature of God. It is not becoming little gods, but it is being so brought into the family of God that we may call him our Father, and that we are cared for as his children. This is a family relationship. There is no change of human nature into divine. Man never possesses deity. There is a distinct line between the Creator and the creature, between the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They are perfect, infinite, unchangeable, and eternal. Man is finite, mortal. Man is uh, little and subject to the sovereignty of God. We will never become gods. But praise God, we can be sons of God. And today here from the pulpit of our church, we're going to minister on this subject. And I hope that you will stay tuned and join with us right through the program today as we let the Bible speak from the pulpit of our church here in Cloverdale, British Columbia. We are learning that John's gospel is the book of life. And it is really replete with the message that life comes from God. Life comes through the Lord Jesus, who is the Son of God. And we have so many examples here in the Bible of men brought into enjoyment of wonderful life. Now, there is no better example of new life than a new baby. And when a new baby is born into our homes, well, everything changes. The smell in the home changes. The time frame and the discipline of the home changes. And, of course, sleep patterns change as well because there is that new life. And that new life soon makes his or her presence fully known. Our text today in John 1 verse 12 speaks about us becoming sons of God. This is absolutely revolutionary, that we who are born of Adam and are of his nature 
and are brought into the kingdom of Satan, that we should be sons of God. Now, this almost smacks of cults. Mormons are commonly speaking about being sons of God, and they tell people that you can be like God or as God, and they use that in a whole different significance. When we speak here and when the Lord was speaking about becoming sons of God, we never cease to be creatures. We never cease to be human. But we are translated out of one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And if you want a proof text for that, Colossians 1.13 says, "...who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son." Now, nothing could be more dramatic than to be brought out of one realm, which is under the control of Satan and all his evil desires and plans and schemes and miseries, and to be brought into a new family, into the family of God, with the God of all grace, the God of love, as our Father, and our Lord Jesus to be our elder brother. But there is a problem, and it's the same problem whenever children are adopted into a family. A mother and a father may go along to an orphanage or some institution, and they may uh, desire that boy or that girl to be their child. And they go through all the legal paperwork of adopting, and in the law of the land, that child becomes your child, takes your name, and all the legalities of it are going through. But then you bring the child home. How do you make that child feel that he or she is a member of the family, that is truly a son, a child in the family. Now, in the natural world, this sounds so weird. It sounds as if we have gone soft in the head, and we have lost our minds. You remember what Festus said to Paul the Apostle? Much learning doth make thee mad. And when you talk to people about being born again, or having a new heart, or becoming translated out of one kingdom of darkness into a new kingdom, a new realm of life in the gospel of Christ, they cannot take it in. And many consider born-again believers as mad in the head, soft in the heart, and this makes them just want to run away and reject Christianity. Well, I'm thankful today that I'm speaking to many people who know exactly what I'm talking about. And we might describe it in different ways, and the diversity of it all is that people's own experience is different. Not everybody has the exact same testimony. Not everybody was saved in the same where, uh, place, the same time, the same age, or under the same circumstances. But in the regenerating work of the grace of God, you received a new heart. And that new heart makes you a child of God. Now, I have three headings here today. As I always say, every preacher needs three headings. If you don't have three headings, it's not a good sermon. So, I'm going to work from these three headings today, and I want you to follow along. Firstly, there's the possibility of becoming a son of God. Now, don't deny that. Don't deny that there's a possibility of you becoming 
a son or a daughter of God. Secondly, the privileges of becoming a son of God. And then thirdly, the promise, the promise of becoming a son of God. And I want us to look at these today. Let me consider with you firstly then the possibility. Yes, even you, you and you know yourself, you know your heart, you know your history, you know your badness, you know your uh, inclinations to the things of this world. Uh, and you need to consider the possibility that you could be changed from serving this world and serving the kingdom of darkness to becoming a Christian, to serve the Lord Jesus and become a child of light and a child of God ready for heaven. Now, John's record proves the point because we're still in the introduction. As I have outlined, John 1, verse 1 to 18 is really the preface. It's really setting things up to see the rest of the drama of the life of Jesus at work. And what John is doing here in chapter 112, he is showing how Jesus gives life to sinners. And here he states his gospel, and it cannot be a ridiculous claim because it's part of the Scriptures. This is biblical. John didn't write as a loose cannon. He didn't just write on a whim. He was inspired by the Holy Ghost. If that is not true, if we can take John 1.12 and just take the scissors, cut it out, then we may as well throw the whole Bible away. This is the Word of God. This is the gospel. John refers to that the gospel according to John. And he talks about becoming sons of God. And there is the marvel of it. Now, Jesus teaching the disciples to pray also proves the point, because in the Lord's Prayer, He prayed and taught the disciples to pray, Our Father, which art in heaven. And He was looking at mortal men, some of them fishermen. One was a tax collector, and they had all different walks of life. And He was saying to them, Now that you are My disciples, you can call the God of heaven your Father. And that infers sonship. And how can you pray the Lord's Prayer if you doubt that there is such a thing as sonship with God? Also, Jesus gives the right to become sons of God. It says right here in this text, that as many as received Him, to them gave He power. That means authority or the right to call themselves sons of God. So we're not gone hard in the head or soft in the brain. We're not losing our marbles here today. We are clinging to the very words and the authority that Jesus gives that we may address and take the title that we are the sons of God. Now, do not assume that you are a child of God now, nor do not assume that you were born into this world a child of God. It's true to say that we're all creatures of God. And it's really funny, isn't it, that people want to be children of God, but they will not accept that they are the creature of God. There are people who will go to church and they will sing as if they're sons of God. But then they go into the 
scientific lab, and they deny creation, that God is the Creator. And to take the position as a creature made by God, well, that's too low, it's too humbling, it's too little. They want to be elevated to something that's evolving. And of course, that's what the Mormons offer to people, that you might evolve into gods. But here is the privilege of becoming a child of God, a son of God. Now, note that it's a gift. It's a gift. To as many as believe on Him, to them gave He the power. It's a gift. We're not boasting that we're better. We're not bragging that we have accomplished something on our own. We are reaching out and accepting the wonderful gift, the title, the uh, union that we have as sons and daughters in the family of God. Now, this, of course, is the whole mission of the Lord Jesus coming into this world. He was on a mission to give life to as many as the Father had given him. And his mission was to so be born, so live, so die, so rise again, that he would become the head of a people, and we would become sons of God in that family. But of course, he had to smash through all the chains of bondage by which Satan holds men in bondage. And maybe you're here today, you're not a Christian, you're not saved, and you're gripped by those chains, and you, as Jesus said to the Pharisees, are of your father the devil, and you are in his family, his kingdom, controlled by his authority. Well, the Lord Jesus came into the world to break the power of Satan, and he went all the way to the cross. And at the cross, there was more than just a physical struggle. There was the war to conquer Satan, to crush his head, and to spoil his goods. That means those souls that are under the bondage and the captivity of the devil. As I read through the, the Gospels and John's Gospel as well, I find that the Lord Jesus was constantly devil-conscious. We are living a very sanitized kind of Christianity. First of all, we're living in a Christian world. Jesus did not, was not born into a Christian world. It was a world that was pagan. It was a world that was ungodly. And up there in the north of Israel, in particular in the area of Galilee, there were many devils and demons. And you know how Jesus cast out devils from many. And Jesus was constantly fighting the powers of darkness and the devil. There are ten references to the devil in John's gospel alone. Now, I'm deliberately going to go through them because I want to impress on your mind the intensity of the battle which the Lord Jesus was engaged in at every stage of his ministry right to the cross. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve? And one of you is a devil. So there was an infiltrator, Judas, of course. And all the while that he was living in the communion with his own chosen few, there was one on the inside 
serving Satan. And the Lord Jesus was quite aware of that. He exposed him. Another event, the people answered and said, Thou hast a devil who goeth about to kill thee. Now, that was twisted thinking. Thou hast a devil. And here are men pointing at Jesus, saying, You're a devil. And here are people somewhat aware of Satan's work, and they were pointing the finger to the Lord Jesus. That was a dreadful reproach. And then in John 8, 44, he said, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Why, what a, a, a CV of the devil. What a job description of the king of darkness. He is a liar, a murderer, and deceiver all in one. John eight forty four. then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil. What a reproach that was again. In the midst of the Lord ministering to be accused that he is a devil, Jesus answered and said, I have not a devil, but I honor my Father, and ye do dishonor me. And then on in John eight fifty two, the Jews said unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abram is dead. And the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Again, they accuse him of being a devil. And again, John ten twenty, many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Isn't this the, the anomaly of men in darkness? They don't even know their own bondage. They themselves are under the bondage of darkness, and now they're pointing the finger to the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, saying, Thou hast a devil. So who is the devil? Well, he's the cruel tempter that appeared in the Garden of Eden that introduced death upon Adam and Eve and upon the entire world. He is the hater of God. He is a rebel who warred with God. And today that war is going on in this world. And it's going on in hearts. And it might be going on in your heart. There's a war between light and darkness, between the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. And his desire is to drag your soul down, down to the depths of destruction. Jesus' mission, he came into the world to destroy the works of darkness and to deliver you out of that kingdom and bring you into the kingdom of glory. And Jesus, therefore, has the power to give you life, the life of a child of God. We call it the new birth. And he takes away the old nature. He takes away the love of old things. They pass away, and all things become new. And as I mentioned, a family may bring a child into their home, go through all the paperwork of adoption, but the child never feel a part of the family. But the amazing thing is, in this translation from darkness into the kingdom of God, you're given a new heart, a new love, and a new delight in serving the Lord. You get a new name and a new heart. 
And so it's possible. It's wonderfully possible. And if I know my congregation, I could go around and point to X number of people and say, you prove it, you prove it. What a testimony you are to the possibility of becoming a child of God. And we rejoice together. That's what makes the church. We are now children of God. We're not serving the world anymore. The church is the ecclesia called out of the world to serve one head, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his servants, his children. This is the wonderful possibility. That brings me to the privileges of being and becoming the sons of God. And by the very nature of this dramatic change that is brought about, this sonship is therefore radical and far-reaching. And I have a number of points here, uh, call them sub-points, but I've got to do this in an orderly fashion. And I want just to lay out to you a few things that are direct benefits of being the sons or the children of God. Well, the first one, you're brought out of the, the realm of Satan. A Christian is brought out of the direct control of the kingdom of darkness. We're no longer his slave. We're set free. And there's no condemnation, and we are no longer in that family. So praise God, and let us sing the song of our release and our translation out of that one. Next thing, sons of God are given a comprehension of heavenly things. The kingdom of darkness speaks also of the darkness of the soul and the mind. We don't understand. And those who are not born again, they don't understand. And that's what the Lord Jesus said, that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, see, the Greek word is idea. He has no idea of the kingdom of God. Can't comprehend it, can't take it in. The spiritual things of God are spiritually discerned. But the person in darkness under the control of Satan cannot see it, cannot comprehend nor take it in. You become a mystery. You become an enigma. You become a mad person. You become someone that's lost it. You don't, you don't appreciate the old way. You've changed, and you've changed too much for the worldly man's liking. And so this is indeed dramatic. Now, in John 3, 8, um, it, Jesus expounding on what it means to be born again, so is everyone that is born of God, that it is like the wind. We cannot tell whence it cometh, nor whither it goeth, but it is powerful. It is absolutely powerful and we are changed in heart. Thanks to God for my Redeemer. Thanks for all Thou dost provide. Thanks for times now but a memory. Thanks for Jesus by my side. Thanks for pleasant, cheerful spring. Thanks for summer, winter, fall. Thanks for tears, time now forgotten. Thanks for peace within my soul. Thanks for prayer, 
You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and uh, I hope that you have been challenged through the message today. It is the gospel. It is the good news. Jesus came to be our Savior, and he gives life, eternal life to sinners. Now, the problem, the reason why men need life is that because sin has brought the curse and death upon this world. We are looking at our Bible study notes in Genesis chapter 3, and we learn here under observations that Satan's method of tempting Eve was an attack on both the Word of God and the goodness of God. Satan's questioning Eve about God's intentions, forbidding them to eat of one tree, caused a loss of perspective in Eve's mind. Compare God's goodness in permitting them to freely eat. And we have to underline the word freely eat of every tree. That's chapter 221. And then Eve's reply in chapter 3, 2, where she said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. The word freely was dropped by Eve. Satan further suggested in chapter 3, 5, that God was keeping them from the enjoyment of something good. And that's the devil's constant lie as he attacks the goodness of God to make men dissatisfied and even rebel against God. Beware, beware of falling into that trap of defying God in this way. And so we call you to an implicit, unquestioning obedience to the will of the Lord, because he is good. And as they say in many African countries, he is good all the time. Surely you can say that today as a Christian. God is good all the time. Now, I want you to send for these Bible study notes. They are available on our website, or you can sign up at our uh, newsletter, and or if you send me an email or call me, I'll put your information in, and you will receive these Bible study notes each week. And right now they are in the book of Genesis. We have been reading an excerpt from chapter 3, but we plan to go right through the book of Genesis week by week, chapter by chapter, laying out the summary of the passage, the key verse, observations, application, and then things to do in light of that study. So uh, this is helpful. Uh, as someone said, it's ho- a whole lot better than starting with a blank page to try and study the Bible. These are thoughts that are suggestive and open up the Scriptures for you to think about them. So send for them, and if I can be of any personal help, be in touch. Stay in tune now for the final closing This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604-897-2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. 
Our website is cloverdealfpc.ca and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word.